0: Hi, I'm Dan Gardner, and I talk about traumatic brain injury recovery. And today I'm pleased to be talking to speech and language pathologist, Herb Hine. Traumatic Brain Injury Recovery. Welcome, Herb. Thank you. Let's start by your telling me about your background. How did you get into this arena?
1: A speech language pathologist not only works with speech, but works with language. And when I was first having my clinical fellowship year, I worked with a young man who had had a brain injury. I then moved to Children's Hospital in San Diego. I worked with Chris Hagen, who had helped to establish the levels of, of cognitive functioning. And I worked there at Children's Hospital several years. And I started working at a pediatric brain injury unit. At the time, my wife was working at SHARP, rehab next door working with adults and then both of us started working for the san diego brain injury foundation at its infancy
0: i see so herb can you tell me exactly what does speech and language pathologist do a speech language
1: pathologist assesses speech and also assesses language and assesses cognitive function that's the most relevant for what we're talking about here so we're looking at someone's memory looking at their ability to pay attention looking at their ability to focus on information being able to analyze information organize information and that's in terms of what they're saying in terms of what they're hearing and in terms of how they're acting the other thing that's very important is monitoring their ability to monitor themselves. So Mm -hmm. that is also another challenging, uh, well, to challenge, and then we assist people who have had brain injuries or anyone else with that. So focusing on the brain injury aspect of, of my background, the other thing that I do now because I've been doing this for 40 years, 41 years, is I'm also helping people with their emotional regulation, too. I work with people who have uh, emotional regulation challenges. So I've used some of my background and some of my um, experiences working with people with their thinking skills to help people to work on how can they use their thoughts to control themselves and interact with uh, people in their world in a better manner, in the most appropriate manner.
0: I see. So, in addition to the assessment, you do the speech and language pathology treatment. And can you give me some examples of how you treat brain injury patients? Well, working with when I was working
1: at a house for people who had brain injuries, so that was originally called NeuroCare, and then became a Sharp Rehab uh, Community Reentry Program. When I was working there, I really was, I trained myself to be very functional, <laughs> so that Speech language pathologists will often work on some paper and pencil kinds of tasks, helping people with their ability to read and write, uh, being able to answer questions and being able to answer some personal biographical information, that kind of thing but what i what I found when I was working at this house with people who had to get back to their lives was that there was I had to think about. What was happening with their physical therapy treatment, with their ability to move? What was happening with their occupational therapy treatment, with their ability to, to cook or to shop? To get around and then also with their vocational treatment, with what is it that they're doing with their lives and how can I help them to, to become as productive as they can be right now?
0: Right. So, Herb, I want to just underscore the importance of that. You're, you're saying that you're not just treating symptoms like improving the, the memory on a pencil and paper test or a computer test. You're, you're saying, okay, I want to help this patient improve his or her function in the real world, in their daily functioning like shopping and cooking and cleaning and organizing and taking transportation, all the important things that, that everybody has to do.
1: Correct. Yeah, so... One of the strategies then is actually a paper and pencil strategy, and that is to use a, a daily planner. So people who have, well, if you don't have a brain injury, it's useful to have a plan for your day, right? So, um, it sure helps me. <laughs> so if you don't have a plan for your day, say, well, I don't know what I'm doing, and maybe I'll do this, maybe do that, maybe I forgot something, right? So If you're an organized person before you have a brain injury, you have a lot going for you, right? So the thing is that if you, uh, I will help someone to keep track of what they, what they just did, what they're doing now, and what they're needing to do next. So it is remember uh, what where's your paper brain? What what is what's what's next? Uh, Can you take notes? Can someone help you take notes on on what is it that you're doing now and what you're doing next? And can you be oriented? what's next Mm -hmm. so not only is what what am i doing for my day but also it might be what am i doing right now in my task so it could be that we're setting people up to use checklists what am i doing in order to cook this thing what am i doing in order to fill out this form what am i doing in order to do any kind of task okay so i've worked with a variety of people on almost any task that people do in their lives to be able to set that up, whether it's uh, their activities of daily living in the bathroom. How do I get ready in the morning? How do I make breakfast? How do I get to the bus? How do I remember what I was reading this morning or yesterday? How do I do my job?
0: You help people get organized, you make lists and so on. Now, nowadays, there's so much technology. There's the iPad and the iPhone and Amazon Echo and and so forth, and then, of course, paper and pencil. How do you know which of those to use? How how do you know when it's helpful and when it just causes more confusion and frustration?
1: Well, it's really up to what the person was used to doing before. So Mm -hmm. we're going to go back to their automatic behavior. So I'm not going to get someone who has been using their Google Calendar to become someone who's a paper pencil person, because they don't even know what that mm-hmm. is anymore. So mm-hmm. um, it's really what what was your what were you using before to organize yourself, and right. we'll use something uh, as similar to that because that's going to be their go-to. Right. I'm going to remember what I most like, what I remember, how I did this before, right? So that is that is the key to be able to remember to remember. That uh, that right there, as uh, it's more complex, as you know,
0: to, be right. able to do that. So you figure out what they did to stay organized and remember things prior to the injury, and you mm-hmm. use a system that's as close as possible to that. So the uh, the implication is there's no one size fits all. You don't say, okay, here's a great iPad app or an iPhone app, and you start using this if you've never used technology.
1: No, right, because going back to the assessment part, as, as you know, and as uh, some of your viewers may know too, every brain injury, every injury is different. And that mm-hmm. really is also what uh, intrigues me about this helping people in this area. It's, it's figuring out the, the puzzle. It's like Humpty Dumpty fell. And then we're putting back the pieces. So it could be that a person has lost some visual skills, right? So reading and writing tasks aren't going to be very helpful, right? So uh, we need to. there may need to be some adaptive equipment for that or something else that needs to be done there. Mm-hmm. I've worked with people who have uh, lost their ability to read just because the part of the brain that focuses on... Recognizing letters and reading has been damaged, so mm-hmm. I've helped people to read, and thus that this one particular person learned how to read and then could use that schedule. But the first mm-hmm. step was to be able to to do the reading. So in terms of uh, what areas we're looking at, we're looking at someone's ability to to understand information, what you're hearing, what you're reading, and being able to. Uh, how well you're able to express yourself by speaking or by writing and then some of the other areas we're talking about how well they're able to problem solve, how well are they able to have appropriate judgment, those kinds of mm-hmm. things, which is a lot trickier and I would, what I would want to mention in terms of a challenge is that sometimes people say there's no problem with me, I have no problem. Right. So, To other people, it's quite apparent that there is a problem. So in terms of when it becomes most difficult, that is when it's most difficult when you're trying to say, but do you see this is difficult? No, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. I don't need to do anything different.
0: That is a big challenge when there's this unawareness of deficits.
1: Correct, that is is difficult. So sometimes we're able to get someone to be more aware of that and sometimes not. The other thing that's very important as you know and your viewers may know too, is providing the information to whoever is this person's support system. What is the best way to communicate with this person? Mm -hmm. What is the best way to cue this person so that they're able to function the best?
0: So a big part of your job is training the support person. Right, I find that the more we're able to provide the right level, Okay.
1: of information, expect the right level of behavior so that there's less frustration. Because right. if, we're, if we're not presenting at the right level, if we're expecting too much and we don't know what that right level is, the person's gonna be frustrated and, and not be able to perform and cooperate at their highest level.
0: Right, so that's a very important point you made, Herb, that you wanna train the, the spouse or the caregiver to not only implement, but reinforce these strategies. Correct. You've given me a few examples. Are there other examples that come to mind? Well, many years ago, I worked with a young
1: man who had a motorcycle accident. Uh, he was very famous. He would just bolt out of places. He would display a lot of anger. So that's, this was very, very frustrating for his parents, very frustrating for whoever was trying to have him be wherever he needed to be in, in a uh, program and then also this was that the person who was no longer able to read so in working with him one-on-one I actually did teach him to read we, we were, he was able to relearn how to read because we're able to teach aspects of that as well I would present some Guiding sentences to him, and that his parents would use as well some orientation. This is where you are, this is what we're doing next, this is where you are, this is what we're doing next, this is what I can do to calm myself, I can breathe, some of those kinds of things. So that ultimately he was able to manage himself. He was able to remember by having the guiding thoughts presented over and over again that finally got him to be able to be oriented. So the caretaker, his parents, other people needed to know how to manage that in case he started to escalate, started to mm-hmm. get get out of control. That young man was able to ultimately use a basic schedule and work at a nursery. Mm-hmm. To have that kind of control so that he could work for several hours, follow a schedule. That was an amazing progression from mm-hmm. out of control, can't read, to can, can read with checklists and go, and go to work and be successful. There's someone else who fell off a scaffolding and had a brain injury from that. This was someone who loved to read, but because of his injury, he would forget what he was reading so what are you reading i don't know and i don't care <laughs> so well maybe it might be nice to keep track so we'd add a little log of what you read what you read let's see if you re- remember what that was so that you can then tell me and you can tell yourself what you read ultimately after months and even a few years this man was able to really keep track of what he read and became important for him to know what he read That kind of thing. This was also a man who was a a writer. His writing was a little jumbly because he couldn't remember what he had just written. There was no monitoring for does this make sense. So I was able to be that guide, which is really a guide what he would be himself. Let's read this over. Let's see, where do we start? Where are we now? What are we leaving out? Where do we need to go next? Those kinds of questions that we ask ourselves, I just was asking those questions of him. So ultimately, he then was able to independently write in a mo- more coherent manner. So those are those are a couple. In and, and 41 years, I could really go on and on.
0: I see. Well, thanks. Those are great clinical examples, and especially impressive when you're training someone how to reestablish their self-regulation.
1: Very right. impressive.
0: Yes, um, I, yes. So, Herb, tell me what, in your work over these many years, what have been the biggest challenges and the biggest satisfactions?
1: Well, I'd say the biggest satisfaction is uh, being able to have someone like that young man who was so out of control to be able to, uh, to, for me to assist him, to be able to have that kind of self-control and be able to have a, a productive life again and be able to have harmony in his family in that manner. Someone else, uh, I, I, I worked with another man who I would worked with years ago, and he came back to me and said, I'm, I'm someone who had a brain injury, and I, I'm really wanting to get this certain kind of job. Can you assist me? So I was able to have him get involved in the, the solar industry. Mm-hmm. Um, he He needed to use a lot of checklists to be able to go through is job so there's reading involved, there's memory involved, there's organization involved in that, all those kinds of things. And then the big thing is that self-monitoring. Am I able to self-monitor?
0: Mm-hmm. So I see.
1: One of the things that that, that I that was I felt was successful in my life was I don't know if you can see this here. I can. A, yes, I can. This is a book I, I wrote because I was working with about forty people in in one program. Um, help them to be assertive listeners and so i wrote this book strategy power which still still exists and if your viewers uh, wanted them that they can have it it's available to them it it helps to teach that i need to be assertive i need to be in charge of, of my listening skills and if you're talking to me too fast I need to have you slow down. If you are, I need to ask you to repeat. I need to ask so that I get that information. And I'm not just sitting here being passive. And I've helped a lot of people so that they can become assertive listeners. Which
0: is really Herb, good. that's impressive because in the line of work I do, I'm aware all the time about the need for people to enhance their active and assertive listening skills
1: certainly helps me and I still use that in all of my assessments when I'm working even with people in elementary school or high school I also my practice I I work with people of all ages people in schools helping them to be assertive in their classrooms Mm -hmm. what I wanted to mention was I did work in classrooms in schools and then I worked in hospitals and I was involved with, with the Traumatic brain injury and thinking about a cognitive approach, then I went back to work in schools, but I was thinking in terms of very the same kind of approach it's we 're always thinking about the brain always how, how the brain is functioning, and sometimes in in schools it's compartmentalized we 're not really thinking about the the how is this brain functioning in terms of attention to and uh, and uh, sequencing and that kind of thing so and then I went back to work with adults. So I've, I've been able to use all my experiences, my earlier experiences,
0: as I uh, progressed and worked in different different uh, areas, different kinds. So you've had a wide range of experiences and work with both children and adults. And you still work with children and adults?
1: I still do. I'm um, in my practice, hind speech-language pathology. I... My wife and I work with little guys, two year olds, three year olds, four year olds, preschoolers and also school age kids and then also people who stutter, people who and people who have had brain injuries or strokes. So we'll see people in the office or see people out in their in their homes or wherever they wherever they're working. I also see some people in some high school programs. I work with people who have high-level autism, and I just uh, developed a program for, well, for them and also people with emotional challenges and just people in general to be able to, similar to my brain injury treatment, to think about what's the thought that will help me so that I can make my best choice
0: in my I What's the name of that program, and where can people find it? Well, the name of that program is, let's see,
1: can you see this here? Yes, I can. Growing Green Interactions. That is, that is the name of my program, and I just, uh, we just put out some flyers here, too. Can you see that? Yes, I can. HeinSLPINC.com. All right. That, so that's that, where people can buy that? There's my little visual cue. So that's another thing, you know, we always want to, as much as possible, provide some visual, visual cues that help us remember. It gets in the brain a little bit more. gets <laughs> in there deeper. I'm sorry, what did you ask?
0: So people can buy this program at that website?
1: People can buy the program at the website. I Also, the other thing that I, that I do in my life, and you may know it, is that I'm also a singer. Singer yes. songwriter. So I do have songs that go with that um, yeah. program. Songs for guiding green thoughts. This is on iTunes. It's on Spotify, and and also it can be through CD Baby or our website. And you can hear the music on our website. And here's another uh, um, album that I wrote called Optimism Returns. It's always a very, very good. useful, useful thought to have. Herb,
0: you're a multi-talented
1: guy in our in our modern day, yes. And occasionally, I sleep. <laughs> so, so, yes, I'm, so, I'm actually very, very excited about this this program being used in in schools with third graders and up. So, third graders and up, so that children today whether they are third graders or, or seventh graders or else people who have never learned how to interact with other people as
0: if they're on a team, learn mm-hmm. to do that. So make Wonderful. It sounds like a wonderful contribution, Herb. Thank so you. let me ask you, what advice do you have for TBI survivors, their family members, and what adv- advice do you have for healthcare care providers who work with brain injury patients?
1: Well, you have to have a lot of patience and you have to understand. I don't know if you could see this as well. Does, can you read this? Yes. Okay. So, this is, this is something that, that uh, Joanne and I like to present to people with brain injuries or um, who have any kind of a difference, whether you've had a stroke, anything, any challenge to your brain, right? So, what's the old me versus the new me? So, if you are still functioning as if you are, if, if you, if you want to function, you, you might want to function like you were before, before your injury, you desperately want to do that. And you can't, it's just going to be a frustrating experience. So, the client and the, uh, or the survivor and the, and the uh, people who are helping the, the support system it's really important to to try to try and get to to understand the new me but what is your new functioning to understand and accept understand and accept the new me because you might need to have that information repeated again you might need to be more careful you might need to do this or do that use some strategies in order to be successful to reduce some of your frustration and to increase your level of of functioning. So the sooner, whenever it's possible, for a person to be able to know their their new me, and that's something that I might do in terms of providing, well, these are your levels of functioning in all these different areas. Physical therapists would do the same, occupational therapists, uh, any mental health workers as well. This is where you're at right now. Okay, mm-hmm. from, from my point of view, do you see that as well? Okay, so what are some things to do? And the most important thing is for that client, that person, to be involved in the process. You'd be like, oh, I'm, we're gonna, this person does this, this person does that. What does that person do for them to be their own uh, assertive person, to them right. to be aware, for them to know what to do? And then you, you have the most important person on the team person who, who, uh, who knows what he or she needs to do. I, I'm an a advocate of that for whether it's a person with a brain injury, an adult, or whether it's a student in a school, right? The, the student needs to know, what, is, what am I working on? What is my main goal so that I can improve myself? That's why I can advocate for that, all those kinds of things. If right. we leave the student or leave the client out of the picture, Oh, we're just going to be having to work a lot harder.
0: A curse to me as part of the coming to terms with the new me is to grieving some losses. Well, I'm not the way I used to be in a number of areas, and some important ones, and accepting the new me, and then finding meaning and purpose in life with the new me. Yes. Yes. And I know that you've been very creative in helping some of my patients find outlets to feel meaningful, and to make a contribution. I'm thinking about someone who you encouraged to write a blog, someone who you played guitar with. What about that?
1: Well, uh, what I will say to people, um, and I said it to that man who ended up being in the solar industry who wanted to be in um, uh, work for the police force, um, that, uh, or or and had some some uh, some experience doing security or something that was a little bit more complex and involved more daily judgment and problem solving which you was not going to be good at this is not this is not your strength area so don't have a job mm-hmm. where that's your uh, it's no longer your strength so but it it is it was a strength it was a hat that you wore you wore, you wore it pr- proudly Put it on your shelf and say, I, I was that in my life. I did that in my life. So it's not that I have to, to mourn that it's gone. I can celebrate that I did do that. You know, life can be uh, long. Life can be varied with all kinds of things that we, that we do and we achieve. But things don't last forever. That one didn't last forever. Let's try something new. So that kind of approach let's the person move from mourning to I can still be happy about that and proud of it, but now I'm I'm gonna have my energies focused on whatever is new.
0: So there's a new way there's a Go new ahead. way to make a contribution. Herb, what other things would you like to add about working with traumatic brain injury patients and their families?
1: That there is the San Diego Brain Injury Foundation available for uh, resources many resources and and support uh, so that there are meetings for uh, the caregivers uh, who can support each other that the person needs to take a break (laughs) both the the survivor you know you can't like keep working keep working keep working need to have a break so that we can rest our brain and the same thing with the caregiver the caregiver also needs to like go out and Think of no problems for a few minutes or an hour or as long as possible. Get someone to come in and take over for a little bit so that they can re-energize, get refocused. So I think that is an important part. Because otherwise, the survivor, the caretaker, they can just
0: spin and just burn out and can't move forward on anything. Amen. So we all need to recharge our batteries. That is true. That is true. Herb, anything else you want to add? There is one other thing, and that is uh, something else that I've
1: actually, my wife and I presented on in uh, some brain injury um, meetings. Is this Sometimes it's useful. To, can you see this? Yes, I can. Yes. Is this is a binder, categories of my life. So this is what I like to have a lot of clients use so that they don't feel like they have to remember everything. There's no way. So if they can remember that inside here is the information they need. So there's lots of ways to keep track of where I am and whatever I'm doing. Okay. We don't want to get overwhelmed with that. It needs to be, it can't be more complicated than something that a person can handle, but if a person is able to read as person a- is able to remember a person can find things then they can find the most important things that they need to remember in their life and it's like having a paper brain for people who are in the modern day and are using technology they then would have to know where they're finding all their stuff <laughs> and how to access it but that's another approach to take for people who are not using paper But I like to be able to know it's right there in front of me. Because even on a cell phone, it's gone if the screen's not open. mind. I I believe uh, in insight in mind. One more point, I guess, is that we're not done making ourselves better. Right? We're not done making ourselves better. So sometimes we think that we are complete, but there's nothing else to learn. But we always can learn something new. And if we're open to that, Whether we have a brain injury or not, our lives will be richer.
0: Herb, I want to thank you for spending the time and effort to talk to me today, explain how nobody's perfect, we're all works in progress, and we'll do the best we can to optimize our potential. So thanks very much, Herb. Please like, subscribe, and comment.